Hey everybody, welcome to Offbeat Wall Street. I'm Frank Miller. Now each week we endure ridicule. Do we ever? We undergo makeovers and we find our true selves. All that in an attempt to bring you the best information about Wall Street and the financial markets. And if you think that's the hard way to do it, yeah, it is. Hey, you know, last week we had Administrative Professionals Day, so this week we'll get the latest employment data. Nice segue, huh? It's a good time to think about jobs, too. We'll take a look at that upcoming jobs report. Last month was a real stinker, the worst showing in about 10 months. So we'll detail the current labor situation headed into the new data. We'll also check in again with the Federal Reserve. Policymakers are set to meet this week. Not much is expected from the meeting, but we'll look ahead to what's in store for interest rates over the next few months. We'll also continue to look at earnings season. Apple leads the charge this week, and we'll preview that report. And we'll also check in with some of the other big names that are expected to report their quarterly results. And as always, we walk down some of the more uh, avant-garde runways on Wall Street. We've got a company looking to launch a flying car in just a few years. Finally, we've got record support for legalizing pot. Dude, and we've got golf balls and hash browns and a liberal dream coming to Canada. This is the uh, Chain to the Desk episode of Offbeat Wall Street. Okay, first of all, you and I answer the phones. The phone must be answered every single time it rings. Calls roll to voicemail and she gets very upset. If I'm not here... Andrea, Andrea, you are chained to that desk. Well, what if I need to... What? No. One time an assistant left the desk because, you know, she sliced her hand open with a letter opener and Miranda missed Lagerfeld just before he boarded a 17-hour flight to Australia. She now works at TV Guide. Man the desk at all times. Well, one of this week's highlights will be the monthly jobs report. Economists are looking to see if job growth can bounce back after a week showing last month. Basically, the economy, well, laid an egg in March. The number of jobs added in the month totaled 98,000. That was well below the 180,000 that economists had expected. This followed a series of relatively strong jobs reports. The economy added more than 200,000 jobs in the two consecutive months headed into last month's report. And this included a revised total of 219,000 in February. March was the worst month in a while. It represented the first time that payrolls slipped below 100,000 since last May. Now, despite the weak jobs growth, the unemployment rate provided a bit of a pleasant surprise. The figure dipped to 4.5% in March from the 4.7% that was seen in February. That surprised economists who had generally expected the unemployment rate to hold steady. With that decline, the jobless rate hit its lowest level since 2007. Yeah, 2007. So for those of you that have been to a a chain smokers concert, that was just before the financial crisis and the Great Recession. Yeah. Why was the unemployment rate able to dip even with the poor showing on job growth? Well, the labor force showed slow growth during the month, so there weren't a lot of new people to soak up the additional jobs. One of the notable losers in March's jobs report was the retail sector. The industry lost 29,700 jobs in March, and that followed a drop of 30,900 in February. And you'll remember that February was generally strong across the board. Of course, not a surprise that the retail sector is shedding jobs. 2017 has been one of the worst years for retail bankruptcies in quite some time. A number of big-name chains have either declared bankruptcy or dramatically cut back. This continued last week with a number of new signs of retailing weakness. First, there's our old friend Sears. Roebuck has since left the building. He's in Tahiti somewhere. The company announced that it will close another 142 stores and increase its cost savings target from $1 billion to $1.25 billion. 
company plans to close 92 underperforming pharmacy operations in certain Kmart stores, and it's also looking to shut down 50 Sears Auto Center locations. The company's already completed its earlier announced closures of 150 non-profitable stores. This consisted of 108 Kmart and 42 Sears locations. Meanwhile, struggling women's apparel retailer Bebe Stores will close all of its doors by the end of May. Now, the company hasn't disclosed what its future plans are. However, Bloomberg reported in March that the retailer was planning to close its stores and seek a turnaround as an online brand. Bebe, yeah, they've lost $200 million over the past four years. Basically, it's this or auto universe. So you don't read Runway? Uh, no. And before today, you had never heard of me? No. And you have no style or sense of fashion? Well, um, I think that depends on what you're... No, no. That wasn't a question. Well, the jobs data is set to come out on Friday, so that means it'll be too late for the Federal Reserve's interest rate decision. The Fed is set to announce its move earlier in the week. Now, as it stands, there's almost no chance of an interest rate hike this time around. Trading in Fed fund futures suggest a nearly 97% chance that the central bank will keep the key rate steady. Going a bit further out, traders are pricing in a likely rate hike next time around. The Fed's set to announce its next policy decision on June 14th. Traders pricing in about a 70% chance that the Fed will raise rates at that meeting. The Fed and the jobs report will likely dominate the news for much of next week, but we're still in the middle of earnings season as well. A bunch of big-name companies are primed to announce their quarterly results this week. Now, Apple will lead the charge. The iPhone makers expected to report modestly higher earnings for the quarter. The bottom line is projected to rise a little more than 6%. The top line is predicted to climb about 5%. Last time around, the company's profit beat expectations. First quarter profits rose to about $17.9 billion. That compares to $18.4 billion last year. Revenues rose to $78.4 billion from $75.9 billion last year. The company sold over 78 million iPhones during the holiday season quarter, which Apple considers its first fiscal quarter. This helped to stop three consecutive quarters of sales declines for the iPhone. This week, we'll also see a number of earnings reports from some big insurance companies. MetLife, Cigna, and Allstate are set to report. All three companies are expected to see their earnings rise from last year. In terms of revenue, growth for the three are expected somewhere in the 1% to 4% range. Media companies are going to be well represented this week, too. Time Warner, Viacom, and CBS are set to announce their results. Earnings are expected to dip slightly at Time Warner, though revenue at the company is projected to rise about 5%. The prospects are a little less rosy over at CBS, where revenues are projected to fall nearly 15%. Earnings are seen lower as well. And this week's docket also includes drug giants Merck and Pfizer. We've got an epic battle of good and evil to watch, Cheesecake Factory, and Waste Watchers are both set to report. Ah, what the heck, pass the whipped cream. Both those belts look exactly the same to me. You know, I'm still learning about this stuff and... Uh... This stuff? Oh, okay, I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back, but what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue, it's not turquoise, it's not lapis, it's actually cerulean. And you're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns, and then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who 
showed Cerulean military jackets. I think we need a jacket here. Mm. And then Cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Okay, each week we like to wander off the beaten track a little bit, take a sip from a dirty glass. Ugh. And we'll take a look at some stories that aren't exactly Wall Street related. Time now for some of our quick hits. Well, first off, it looks like Back to the Future is going to be, well, about five years late. But hey, that's okay, because ride-sharing company Uber says that it plans to have a flying car by 2020. Finally, yes, the company's partnering with aircraft manufacturers to develop an on-demand network of vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. Uber plans to roll out flying cars with a pilot in the Dallas-Fort Worth area by 2020. No word, though, on when they're coming to Hill Valley. Butthead. Sorry, Biff. Well, from one kind of flying to another, support for the legalization of marijuana has reached a new peak. Ironically, so have the demand for Doritos. Well, look, the pun about being an all-time high, that was just a little too easy. (laughs) Well, the results of a recent CBS poll show that 61% of Americans think that marijuana should be legal. Only 33% said the use of the drug should not be legal. The percentage supporting marijuana legalization is up five points from last year and is at the highest level recorded in the poll. CBS News said 71% of Americans also oppose the federal government's efforts to stop marijuana sales and its use in states where it has been legalized. Well, if all this talk about weed has given you the munchies, you're in luck. We've got three stories about food. First off, well, this is probably one of the weirdest reasons ever for a recall. McCain Foods USA had to announce a recall of its frozen hash browns. Why, you ask? Well, because they contained golf balls. That's right, I read on. Yeah, the product is coming back to the factory because it may contain what's being called extraneous golf ball materials. In a statement, the company said golf balls were apparently inadvertently harvested along with the potatoes that went into the hash browns. You know, I figured all that rain recently would cause the golf ball crop to just take off. Well, anyway. Next up, a story from Hershey. The chocolate maker said last week that it's going to reduce the calorie counts on its product. The initiative also includes increased visibility of nutrition information and portion options. Hershey says that by 2020, about half of its total portfolio of individually wrapped standard and king-size confectionery products will be 200 calories or less. And while we're on the subject of food shrinkage, we have Subway. It appears the sandwich chain is reducing its footprint for the first time in company history. Now, the company is the largest restaurant chain in the U.S. by number of locations, and it closed more stores than it opened in 2016. This is for the first time in its history that the company's store count dropped for a year. So the company now operates uh, only 26,744 stores in the U.S., and that's a decline of 359 locations. And finally, well, first it was universal health care, and now this. The Canadian province of Ontario is going to try out a new universal basic income plan. The government of the province is planning a test program targeting nearly 4,000 households. The three-year test will be first launched in the cities of Hamilton, Thunder Bay, and Lindsay. This will be the first effort in North America to attempt such a program, which will provide unconditional income to citizens. Backers of the program say it will encourage work, community engagement, and reduce poverty. 
The pilot program is expected to cost $150 million Canadian dollars, or about $12.50 American, for over three years, and it'll cover... Nah, I'm just kidding. I love Canada. It'll cover low-income people between the ages of 18 to 64 years. The benefactors selected at random will get up to $16,989 Canadian dollars a year. Couples will receive up to 24027 Canadian dollars a year, apart from child and disability benefits. No word on how much maple syrup is included, though. You look so thin. Do I? Yeah. Oh, it's for Paris. Well, I'm on this new diet. It's very effective. Well, I don't eat anything. And when I feel like I'm about to faint, I eat a cube of cheese. Well, it's definitely working. I know. I'm just one stomach flew away from my god. Well, thank you, everybody. This has been Offbeat Wall Street. If you like the show, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe. And hey, while you're there, why not go ahead and rate and review the show? Good ratings help other people discover it, so it's very helpful. Also, make sure to let all of your friends know. Let your neighbors, too. Go up to the top level of your house, open up the window, and... Just yell down the street. You can also check out our website at offbeatwallstreet.com. Follow us on Twitter at offbeatwallstreet. And ST, like you see on the street signs, will be at the end of that guy. And, of course, thanks to the big BS, Brian Stewart, for heaping all of these fine words and co-production onto the podcast, even if it does smell just a little bit. And a special thanks to our good friends at RTT News for providing the news and stats used on this very wonderful show. So for up-to-date info on the markets, check them out right now at rttnews.com. And hey, as we say goodbye, just an example of what you don't want to hear after your job interview. Who is that sad little person? Have a great week, everybody.